Welcome to Kaiju Network Podcast. I am your co-host, Kenton. With me is your other co-host. Jason, how's it going, everyone? Here we are. We are starting a new series where we are going to cover two, one, two, series of Tokusatsu TV shows. The first one up to plate is the one that you see on Jason's shirt there. Common Rider. All right. And then two weeks from now, we're going to be doing Spectre Man. So everything is going to change every other week. And mm. if you happen to miss our show from a couple of weeks ago, um, we had said that it's very likely that every once in a while throughout the course of us covering these two shows, we will probably take a break. That may include covering certain movies. That may include commentaries, what have you. None of that's been decided yet because we got a long ways to go. Common Rider's 90-plus episodes, and Spectre Man, what'd you say? How many episodes? Uh, I think it was around 60 episodes, I believe. That's a lot. Okay, yeah. we're going to be at this for a long time. <laughs> okay, so I hope you guys are comfortable and you're ready for the next 10 years for us to cover <laughs> these two shows. I'm exaggerating there, but... My point <laughs> is that this is going to take a while for us to cover these two shows. But um, so what we're going to do today, I just want to give you a quick rundown as far as what to expect this episode. Um, Jason will go through some housekeeping here in a moment, but I want to personally go through uh, Pacific Rim, the black. I recently f uh, finished the second season. I want to give my thoughts on the second season and the series overall. And then all also, uh, here the other day I watched the 2017 Power Rangers movie. I want to give my quick thoughts on that. The reason why I'm covering that is because of the fact that, obviously, the original Super Sentai slash Power Rangers series uh, originated in Japan and came out in the 1980s. I thought, look, that's Japanese-related. It's very similar to what we're covering here. I just want to give my quick thoughts on that, and then we'll dive into the first three episodes of Common Rider. So, so, Jason, any housekeeping? Yeah, the one thing I just uh, want to reiterate is that it seems like your audio has been now starting to be a bit choppy uh, on my end from what I just heard there. But uh, the one thing I just want to say is to my... Uh, other volume has been wanting to go on its own for whatever reason. Yeah, your lips aren't but, matching uh, your uh, uh, words here. But anyways, uh, for that, <laughs> for for whatever it Technology is, people. I just want to say that uh, you can find everything Daikaiju Network in one place by uh, uh, going to our uh, link tree page right there with the URL. Uh, link uh, tr.ee forward slash Daikaiju Network. And uh, we're on a, a few video uh, platforms, YouTube and Twitch, we, which we're, uh, we stream live, and then as well as Rumble, which maybe several hours or a day later, uh, the uh, latest episodes when we stream live will automatically go to there. And then we got our uh, audio platforms as far as Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, and as well as uh, TuneIn. And uh, make sure to hit that subscribe button. If you see a red button down there, hit that subscribe button. Uh, like our videos and as well as uh, hit that uh, notification bell 
uh, icon. And uh, if you want to uh, archives, blogs, everything that we do, uh, you can go to our official website over at uh, daikaijunetwork.com. So my lips aren't sinking because at least from my end, your lips are syncing up with what you're saying. Well, I can see yours synced up now. Okay, because I was going to say, like, again, my internet connect, it's not 100%, at least according to my end, but it's still better than what it was earlier when we were uh, pre, uh, pre-game in this whole thing. So, mm. all right, are you ready for me to dive into the two things I wish to cover? All right. So here we go. Pacific Rim the Black. Uh, a couple days ago, I finished through the second season of The Black. Now, if you want to get my overall thoughts of season one uh just go through our archives itunes youtube wherever and go to the kaiju fest from last year 2021 and during that uh kaiju fest i did cover uh, pacific rim the black the first season in there you'll get my thoughts on that um what i want to cover here is the second season and just my thoughts on the series as a whole i'm gonna try and not spoil things for you but just in case if you have not seen season two and don't want to be spoiled i would suggest you fast forward this section just in case i accidentally happened to spoil something here for you um but my thoughts on season two was that it is a very emotional season uh, uh, there's what i if i remember correctly seven episodes hold the second season here hold that uh thought because your audio is getting really choppy now really yes are you serious i am serious why i mean <laughs> that connection saying it's like three out of four um really yep oh my god I hate technology. I have an idea, but I don't want to do it for the shows in a row. Um, what about now? <laughs> I think so. Is it good? I believe so. You think so? Well, the, the audio is kind of off sync there. And in the words of Bill O'Reilly, fuck it, we're going live. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to go, and then I want to test something later. So unless it gets really, really bad, let me know. Like, really bad, where like large oh, sections are being cut off copy. for what happened. <laughs> um, um, so the second season of about seven episodes and is very emotional um it is an incredible series overall um if you are a fan of the pacific rim franchise this franchise in many respects sort of i believe um um captures the awesomeness of those two films, those live action films. But on top of that, it adds another layer to it, meaning that I think we get more of a human story through this anime series than we do through the live action films. 
Um, we get it through our two main characters, a brother and a sister, and they're on a quest to look for their parents who end up going missing uh, at the very beginning of the series. And um, I'm going to say this, too. If you are someone who is looking for a ton of kaiju action in this series, you really are not going to get that. You will get elements of that in bursts, but not too often. And you will get a couple of really good kaiju combats throughout the course of the series, but they are spread out. With that being said, I think there are definitely some people who will be disappointed by the series because there aren't more kaiju. There aren't more kaiju fights or whatever. This series is not necessarily about what those initial movies were about, which was robots fighting kaiju. This is more about survival, bonding, and sort of a rescue mission that ends up turning into – an interesting um, combat story that involves more human elements than those two live-action movies. And um, I love that aspect because I think the writing for this series is phenomenal. I was very much invested in the human characters, their stories, their journey, and – what they end up going through over the course of these, what, a total of 19 or so episodes. And I think this is very much worth checking out. Not just if you're a Pacific Rim fan, but if you enjoy good storytelling. This series, to me, is phenomenal. I went in thinking, okay, this is going to be somewhat of a carbon copy of what we saw with the two two live action movies. I quickly realized that is not what we were getting, but at the same time, I forgot about that, and I didn't care because the writing was so great. I had totally forgotten about the fact that this was connected to two live action movies and that this was supposed to be about robots punching monsters in the face this is a phenomenal series folks if you have not seen this series or continued with season two for whatever reason you need to watch this series my hope is that netflix god knows their track record is awful in terms of releasing this stuff onto physical media I'm hoping we see this at some point for home video release. But this is a phenomenal series. It is incredibly well written. I was welling up at certain points in the second half of this story. It throws you a couple curveballs here and there. It's exciting. It's just well written. It is one of the better kaiju stories I have seen in a while. And as everyone knows, who has paid attention to this podcast for a while, knows I've said that the Godzilla anime trilogy, in my opinion, is one if not potentially the best written Godzilla story thus far. And the animation for Pacific Rim the Black is very similar to what you get with that anime trilogy. Some people don't like it, whatever. What I'm telling you is if you don't like it, Look past that, okay? It's not that bad. Look at the writing. Look at the substance. I still think Godzilla, the anime trilogy, 
is phenomenal. And in many ways, I think Pacific Rim, the black mirrors that trilogy in terms of the quality of writing, even though it's done by totally separate groups of people Mm -hmm. and Pacific Rim, the black is well worth your time. It really is. You may be disappointed at the fact that there's not a ton of Kaiju action in it or whatever, but in a way that's not the point. And I think you will quickly see why within the first couple episodes of this series. I think it is well worth your time. If you love good storytelling, this is the series to watch. Okay. Pacific Rim, the black as a whole, 10 out of 10, high recommend from me. I mean, it is an incredible series. I think everyone, everyone listening to this podcast needs to see it. It is an incredible series. Now, moving on to the 2017 Power Rangers. Uh, I finally saw it the other day. The reason why it took you long enough. (laughs) I was very apprehensive because here's the deal. Look, I loved the Power Rangers as a kid growing up. That's the show. Um, But the thing is that as I got older, I grew out of it. And I saw some clips and stuff of some episodes. I even tried revisiting it uh, while watching Netflix here eight years ago. And it was hard for me to watch because it very much was a product of not just the 90s, but a product for a younger audience as well. Mm -hmm. And I just was sort of afraid it was going to hit that nerve where I was going to be like, oh, God, you know, like, here we go. Here's some corniness or cliches or whatever. Um But then when I watched it here the other night, I was pleasantly surprised as to how different it was. Um, There are elements of Power Rangers that I think are worthy of celebration. I like quite a few of the changes that they made to the characters, the story, etc. within the 2017 film. But there are some things about it that I don't care for. The fact that all five rangers are sort of juvenile delinquents. I not only find that hard to believe because when you look at Billy, he's just a nerd, etc. Why is he in detention all the time? Why is he getting – that makes no sense to me. Um, I think having all five of them as delinquents – is not that believable. Uh, I think it's very inconsistent. I think you could have richer storytelling if you have maybe a few of them that are delinquents, a few that are like good to great students, etc. You know, involved, and you get those different personality traits coming in, coming into conflict, etc. I think it creates for a better story. Um, I like how the story of Zordon is told. Um, I enjoy sort of the general journey that these teens have to go through to become rangers. Um, With that being said, though, here's the biggest gripe I have about the movie, and I think this is pretty much a fatal flaw of this film. It takes too damn long for shit to happen, okay? It's about the hour and a half mark when we see all five teens turn into Power Rangers. Mm -hmm. And then the final 20 minutes is their battle with Rita Repulsa, an interesting version of Goldar, and all of that. The fight as a result, of course, is short because a lot of people will say, well, it's a two-hour movie. Well, you have to understand that about 15 or so minutes of that is credits. Okay, so you have about 20 minutes there after they 
all five of them turn into rangers and they go into this final conflict. Um, the final conflict was interesting, but way too short. Um, the problem with this film is not just the meandering, but the fact that the writers believed that you needed to have this extra long process to show their journey, to show them growing into becoming individuals worthy of wearing the Power Rangers suits. And that should have been cut in half. All five of them should have been in Rangers uniforms by at the very latest the hour mark okay and look this would have been cliche but go with the typical hero origin formula where the 45 hour minute mark you have them all in uniform and they fight some sort of minor villain Mm -hmm. or something like that and then maybe you grow into that final combat the way things are put together with this particular story does not work it i actually inadvertently found myself zoning out and i was doing other things for quite a while uh in the middle of the film until they ended up morphing all five of them into rangers so um with that being said power rangers 2017 loved a lot of ideas some of it i didn't care for biggest flaw took way too damn long for character development to get them into the ranger suit and to do all that. Um, if they had cut things down and really got to the point sooner, this could have been a very fantastic film. With that being said, um, buy, rent, or pass, that's hard. Um, I'm going to say pass. I don't, despite the fact that I think there's a lot of stuff here to like. I don't think the movie is a good investment of your time, considering how it decides to use that time. So if you wish to check it out, do, but be prepared for the fact that you're going to be sitting there for a good long time without a ton of stuff happening. And in a way, that's not true. But if you're looking for the Ranger stuff to happen sooner, you're going to be disappointed. And you need to be prepared to wait 90 minutes for that to happen. To me, that's unacceptable. And I'm surprised that Lionsgate was okay with that and didn't say, look, cut some of this stuff out. We got to get to this stuff sooner. Um, like I said, overall, I liked a lot of it, but because of its meandering, I cannot recommend it, sadly. And judging by the fact that it's been five years, I don't think we're going to get a sequel or anything like that. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's, that's not going to happen from what I've read that uh, yeah. there, there was potentially going to be a, like a, they're going to have five more films to follow up uh, with it, but with, with how it performed and everything that just didn't quite work out. And was it Saban sold off? Uh, the Power Rangers property, I think, to uh, Hasbro's. I think from what I last read. So that's that's one of the last people you want to sell your product to is a toy company that will produce high quality collectibles, but very shitty general toys. 
But I mean, seriously, one, take a look at their Jurassic World line from 2015. It's horrendous. The one so, thing like, that I do like from uh, the the 2017 Power Rangers is the soundtrack. Uh, it is good. Film. Yeah, it's I really good by uh, Brian Tyler, which I'm probably Brian guessing. Brian Tyler is always good. Yeah. I'm guessing some of you, a handful of you probably uh, know the name that he's done uh, several notable works, including a lot of the movies from uh, Marv, the Marvel Cinematic Universe and everything. So, so yeah, what he did there for that movie was pretty good. Yeah. It just breaks my heart because um, I was pleasantly surprised with this film. I thought there was a lot of potential here given what they had, but then they squandered that with thinking, oh, we need to like really waste everyone's time to get them into the ranger suit and then have a final battle that is very pedestrian. Um, That breaks my heart. And it also makes me angry because, again, that's like an hour, 50 minutes or so that I'm not going to get back. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm, 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 I'm angry. And at the same time, I am uh, just saddened because <laughs> what they had here, if they had gotten to the point sooner, they could have had a golden film. And they probably would have made enough money to, yeah, continue uh, that that series that they had in mind, but mm-hmm. that's their own fault. And I hate to say that, but it's true. And there's a lot to like here, but there's a lot to not like as well. And that breaks my heart. So yeah, it, to me, it's a pass on the 2017 Power Rangers movie. So yeah, and then as far as the uh, the Pacific Rim Black one, it'd be nice. Whenever that uh, comes out on to DVD, probably guessing like Don't. that Malaysian uh, thing, you know, where we've got uh, the Godzilla anime. Yeah, but those were done by Toho. Made. This is not done by Toho or anyone else. This is done by yeah. Legendary. You know, I know Legendary is mainly a Chinese property, but at the same time, they're kind of based also in the US. So Netflix. It, I love Netflix for many different reasons. I watched Red Notice last night. Very good movie if you haven't checked it out yet. Um, oh, I'm not going to subscribe to Netflix. It's got Dwayne Johnson, Gal Gadot, and Ryan Reynolds. It's not only funny, but fun to watch. Um, but Netflix is a bitch when it comes <laughs> to trying to release some stuff. Yeah, they release stuff like Orange is the New Black, some of their more popular original shows and content. The thing is, is that when it comes to some of this other stuff, they're terrible. Like the She-Ra series, um, they released uh, the first three seasons out of five on the DVD, and it doesn't look like they're going to release the final two seasons on the DVD. Recently, they just released the first three seasons of Camp Cretaceous on the DVD, and it probably is unlikely that they will also release the final two seasons of Camp Cretaceous on DVD for that series as well. So Netflix, get your fucking act together. Many of us are tired of this bullshit. Okay, commit. You say you want to ring on that, but you're not willing to commit. Okay, <laughs> figure this shit out. Okay, like I'm, I'm one of millions of people that is sick of this bullshit that you guys pull. Okay, and you guys want to know why you're losing subscribers? It's because of bullshit like this. Okay, if you want to go the full distance, go the full distance. Otherwise, cut the shit. I think there's probably other reasons for. 
Yeah, uh, well, fuck their reasons. Show. They're not good reasons whatsoever. I'm sorry. Uh, I, look at what you, you got me going here on Netflix. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm sick but, uh, of Netflix in terms of their home video release stuff. But anyways, um, should we move on to the uh, meat and potatoes of uh, our discussion for this episode? Go ahead. Bring us in. So uh, we're going to be kicking off this time with uh, the first three episodes of the original Kamen Rider. And uh, the uh, first episode here, I'm just going to kind of go off on the original title uh, titled The Eerie (laughs) Spider-Man. You're going to do this again? Oh, my gosh. Yes. I thought, no, but like we got the same DVDs. I'm like, there's no way he's going to do it. So I wasn't even prepared for this. Otherwise known well, DVD set called The Mysterious Spider-Man. <laughs> well, it was that way on mine, but uh, it, the title is much different. Why is the damn volume want to keep going up and down on my head? It does. But anyways, up and down, yeah. I saw on my uh on wikipedia that it had a different title so i was like you know what uh i know it's going to be totally different i know ken's going to be going off on the dvd release uh title version of it so i was like i'll just go with whatever is on (laughs) you need to get off of that like seriously that causes too many problems here this is giving me flashbacks to Ultra 7, and that's not a good thing. <laughs> you know how I feel about that. So um, let's just go ahead um, and talk about this thing, and then I've got you know like a number of things written up here as far as final thoughts and a letter grade for, for each episode like I did with that 7 Ultra show here uh, from earlier in the year. Um, so... Um, here we are. We're jump-starting. Uh, uh, Takeshi uh, Hongo is a motorcycle racer. He also um, works at uh, – I want to try to see if I can pronounce it properly – Jonan University, I think is how it's pronounced. Uh, he's in the biochemistry department. Holy mackerel. And um, his uh, – uh, motorcycle racing coach Tachibana, who is played by the same um, actor, and I don't remember the actor's name, who plays the captain in Ultraman, the original Ultraman series. He's also in uh, Godzilla vs. King Ghidorah. He's also in Godzilla vs. Mothra. He's usually kind of the, the sidekick to um, some of the big government officials in those two movies that I just mentioned here. Um, but um, what ends up happening is in this first episode, uh, Takeshi Hongo is kind of challenged in a roundabout way by these random motorcyclists as he's trying to time himself for a race. And he ends up getting uh, taken hostage by the Shocker Organization. The Shocker Organization, as we are told via exposition, is an evil organization <laughs> that is of course as you all beat me to the punch on trying to take over the world 
And so what they end up doing is they kidnap a bunch of people. They put them under their spell. Some of them they use for minor ticky-tack um, you know, menial labor type things. Others they select. It's not very clear exactly who gets selected for what they call the demon role, which is sort of what I would call the general's role. Uh, think of <laughs> – some of you are going to laugh at this, but I can't think of any other example off the top of my head at the moment. Think of Mortal Kombat Annihilation, right? You have <laughs> Shao Kahn at the top there, right? And then you have what are called his generals, uh, Sindel – Ermac, Mutaro, etc. Okay, and then you have all these just random soldiers underneath them. These demons for Shocker are guys like the Spider-Man. In the next episode that we're going to cover after discussing this one, it's going to be... No. Don't be thinking about it. Think about something else. It's Batman. Not the Batman, but Batman. And <laughs> then after that, Scorpion Man so on and so forth as we're going to march yep. through 90 some odd episodes over the next decade um <laughs> here so um so think of them as generals but the show calls them demons call them what you want but i call them generals i'm going to use demons and generals interchangeably so the spider uh the spider man not uh, Toby Maguire, not Andrew Garfield, not uh, nope, who's the current dude. Who's the current dude playing? What's what's the actor's name? I forget his name. Um, oh. Tom Holland. Yeah. Not Tom yeah. Holland. Um, <laughs> <laughs> not those guys. Um, but yeah, what ends up happening is that uh, Hongo ends up getting kidnapped by Shocker. He's been unconscious for a week. He ends up getting turned into a cyborg. But he ends up escaping, and his mind is not totally altered because uh, individuals who end up getting captured by Shocker and turned into these generals of Shocker end up working for them and being controlled by an unseen leader. We have yet to see that. I'm just letting you know in these first three episodes we're not going to see them, and I'm just letting you know now my theory is considering I've seen shows like Red Baron – we're probably not going to see him for an awfully long time. Yeah, so I think from patient uh, there. Yeah, according to some of the info that I've been seeing, I think we won't be able to see uh, the leader. I think right in uh, uh, right in the middle of the uh, the show. So you're talking like 45 episodes, roughly, into the series. Um, yeah, somewhere around. Give there, or take. Yeah. Give or take. And um, so he ends up escaping because this doctor – and I forget. It starts with an M. Mitokara. I, f- it's, I forget. Uh, the, it's, it's a longer uh, name and more awkward than yeah, what I'm used Professor, to Professor uh, Midori Ka- Kawa. Midori Kawa. He ends up coming in. Midori Kawa was a former colleague of his at the university that he's with. Um, he tells Hongo, you got to escape. Hongo does escape before his mind becomes altered to where he's under the complete control of the Shocker organization. And um, eventually, Midokawa gets um, caught by the, by the Spider-Man. This happens as a result when Hongo and Midokawa start talking about uh, Midokawa's um, um, involvement with the shock organization the fact that he was kidnapped and forced to work for them and worked on hongo transforming him into 
Kamen Rider, and he ends up getting killed by Spider-Man in very gruesome ways. One of the things that I love about this series so far in the first three episodes is we get some interesting horror-slash-body horror um, moments in this series. Gotta love uh, 1970s Japanese tokusatsu because they are not afraid to make kids disturbed. So, um... <laughs> I just wait till the next episode after this. <laughs> Yeah, in fact, I wrote it down. I'm glad you thought of that. And then also, the one after that, you could argue that the one after that also has a few moments. Um, but um, what ends up happening when Spider-Man uses his stinger to kill people, kind of the final blow, it's sort of like a fatality before actually fighting someone, <laughs> using a Mortal Kombat reference again, Um what ends up happening is that these people kind of disintegrate into a foamy mixture and just kind of dissolve. And um, the uh, Mitokawa's daughter, what's her name again? Um, uh, oh, oh, Roriko. Roriku. Um, she believes Hongo is responsible for his death because she kind of sees in on him uh, as far as them arguing right before Spider-Man, again, not Tobey Maguire, Andrew Garfield, Tom Holland, ends up giving him the coup de grace and ends his life. So she thinks Hongo in some fashion killed him. And Hongo's trying to convince her, no, I didn't kill him. It was Spider-Man, etc. This ultimately ends up into a final confrontation between Kamen Rider, Spider-Man's henchmen, and then common writer v spider-man himself and i'm still confused on this i'm not entirely sure how spider-man ends up getting killed here it just kind of is like he gets flipped or something like that and then he himself dissolves then we get some closing exposition remarks from the episode narrator saying that hongo carries his burden with him and that he's going to continue on uh as common writer trying to stop shocker from taking over the world yeah, I, th I think uh, was it Kamen Rider? I think he did one of his special moves, I believe, because I, I must know have that because uh, yeah. they were battling kind of along this edge of this uh, quarry, uh, sort of speak. And then I think he does one of his uh, special moves, and then I believe he falls down one of the cliffs. I I think. Because I know that they were climbing up uh, one of the uh, walls or something at one point for the final bout, and then yeah, but that's not yeah, what ends that. up killing Spider-Man. Like there was something that Common Rider did. I thought maybe he just got the crap kicked out of him enough that he just like that's what I thought. That's what it came <laughs> off to me as. Yeah, even though I watched this, you know, relatively maybe about. Uh, over 12 or so hours ago um i would think that i would remember but <laughs> thanks a lot jason you're a lot of help might as well end this right now i mean <laughs> well same goes to you so i watched this over 48 hours ago <laughs> so but yeah yeah, so let's just kind of talk about it. I mean, and then we'll kind of give some closing thoughts. I want to give a letter grade. I don't know if you want to do the same, but. Um, yeah. uh, are you going to go ahead? No, you go ahead. I mean, I. Oh, um, yeah, as far as what the heck? Uh, I was just 
reading on one of my lists and it says Bobby Shocker. <laughs> but uh, yeah, as far as uh, the Shocker, I know I was reading up some information about this. Uh, Shocker is actually a uh, acronym that uh, spells out uh, Sacred Hegemony of Cycle Kindred Evolutional Realm. And uh, apparently... Um, like kind of their backstory is that uh, some of the founders had some ties uh, to the Nazi party. <laughs> no, I believe it. Yeah. Here's the thing. I want to say this right now, okay, now that you bring it up before I forget. Because starting – I think it's with the next episode. We see an intercom on this eagle. I almost wrote it in my notes, but I didn't because I didn't want to try to like go there because I wasn't entirely sure. That eagle in which the intercom is through reminded me so much of the Nazi eagle that you would sometimes see over their swastika. But mm -hmm. I was like, no, nah, like that can't be exact. But then in episode three, they do bring up um, the fact that they use techniques from the Nazis to do skin graphing and to change these people into these creatures. But like I said, I didn't exactly want to go there because I wasn't sure if that's where this organization or how this was written. I didn't want to quite go there in case it wasn't. But then now that you bring it up, I'm like, that makes perfect sense because that eagle very much reminded me of the eagle you sometimes see over the swastika. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But uh, other other than that, uh, when it comes to um, Kamen Rider, I know I've seen uh, actually the first two episodes, I think maybe a little over a year or so ago from the official Toei Tokusatsu channel on uh, YouTube. Because uh, when I saw those, it's like, oh, I'll sort of check it out. And sort of my first initial thoughts is that I think it's uh, something uh, pretty good that we can at least cover. And I know that we've sort of discussed back and forth as far as uh, talking about uh, Common Rider one of these days. And I know you've had uh, some <laughs> mixed feelings. No, no, I haven't. It. No, I haven't. I mean, I remember seeing, I think, these first two episodes at G-Fest periodically over the years we were attending. And I remember telling you, I think, I don't know how many months ago, four or five months ago, however long ago it was, I was like, I really want them to release the original Common Rider onto DVD or Blu-ray. And you were saying, well, they were releasing, uh, not Ultraman, Common Rider Zero, or they were releasing something here relatively soon. And I said, why can't we get the original Common Rider? Because from the two episodes that I've seen periodically at previous G-Fests, I enjoyed it. So... Yeah, I've always wanted to cover this because um, as far as uh, kind of the whole um, final editing uh, process when it came to these first three episodes, um, what are your sort of initial thoughts? On the editing? Yeah, because it seems like to me – like some of it just kind of uh kind of gets choppy here and there and like uh really like before on the first episode 
like before the uh, the uh, the break uh, call sign uh, that coming Rider was facing Spider-Man or some of his henchmen kind of uh-huh. in that uh, field there and then that uh, uh, break sign and then the next scene is that you see uh, Spider-Man uh, in his uh, in the shocker base uh, talking with uh, the leader or something there and it just seems like it's just out of nowhere like <laughs> well, again, um, you know, these these shows, you know, as I've read brief snippets of it, this goes back to when we were covering Ultra 7. Um, just like a lot of the tokusatsu movies of the same time and even a little bit before, they, they were given a very short period of time. I think they were saying like they only even had a week to put some of the Ultraman episodes together. And I would assume even at Toei, it was a similar production schedule. So, uh, look, mistakes are going to be made. And, you know, no series is perfect. Let me let me just say this, at least right now, basing off of what I've seen from the first three episodes of Common Rider, is this thing absolutely fucking nuts it is and guess what i love it for that because anyone who paid attention to our ultra 7 retrospective earlier in the year knows that the biggest problem i had with that series was the fact that it took itself way too seriously it tried to be melodramatic it did not embrace its absurdity and that was the problem it had it tried to be something that i thought was it was very unsuccessful at and the result was that 90 percent of the time it failed that characterizations were terrible stories were bland and just uninteresting there were maybe i think a total of 11 episodes i gave like a b or so grade to okay ultra seven was an incredible disappointment of a series Common Rider, yeah, it still adds some elements of melodrama, but guess what? That kind of happens in something like this. But the difference between something like Common Rider so far and Ultra 7 is the fact that Common Rider knows it is absolutely knucking futz. And it goes with that. Camera angles where they tilt the camera upside down or they do these weird shots where it's like stop motion animation in some cases as well. This series knows that it's absurd, but it's still got to have some melodrama to try to create some semblance of stakes in it. But embraces that absurdity. I mean, take a look. Spider-Man. Batman, Scorpion Man. I mean, the names and the designs of the villains are absurd. The fact that you got people being grafted into these insects and animals. The fact, too, that you have um, these kind of like the villains themselves are just goofy, bombastic, hyperbolic villains that have these weird, um, exaggerated hand motions when they're out and about, like trying to hunt either victims or common rider. This series knows what it is, and it embraces that. And mm-hmm. it's fun as a result of that. It's saying, look, 
we we have to do some melodrama to try to create stakes here but at the same time we understand that what we're doing here is wackadoo and we're going to embrace that this is a show that is made for kind of a younger audience to some extent we're going to embrace that and we're not going to shy away from it it almost to me seemed like Subaraya was sort of ashamed at the fact that the original Ultraman embraced this absurdity, which made it so fun. And so they tried to go more mature with a storytelling most of the time. And as a result, in my opinion, it fell flat on its face. Despite the fact that, yeah, the, the um, special effects for that series were incredible. Everything else about it sucked. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can have the greatest effects in the world, but if your substance isn't all that entertaining, you failed. And as I said, when we closed out that series, Ultra 7 is a failure of a series. It's not good, in my opinion. It's not fun to watch, despite the fact that, yeah, its miniatures and other effects work are superior to Ultraman in every other way. Common Rider, which came a few years after Ultra 7 here, its effects are not as good as Ultra 7, but guess what? It's more fun to watch because it knows what it is and it embraces it. Yeah, and for those that haven't seen Spider-Man for Common Rider, that's that's what he looks like. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> right there. So, zoom up a little bit. There you go. <laughs> That's what it looks like. It's really fun. I mean, it is a fun series so far, just basing off of three episodes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, as far as the backstory to Common uh, Rider, uh, what do you uh, think of? The backstory of Common Rider and how he came to be as far as gaining the strength and then so on and so forth. Uh, if I were to base it off of just episode one, I would say it's interesting but incomplete. But if you were to have me include episode two, I would say it's very good because what ends up happening is there's a hole in the story with episode one in that it doesn't really explain to you why he's not under the control of shock organization because you have one of the doctors who says every time we turn someone into these cyborgs or what have you they're under our control and i throughout the rest of the episode was wondering well why isn't common writer under their spell it's not spelled out they never said anything about a mind control deal or anything like that it's only until the early parts of episode two does the mind control thing come up and the fact that because he escaped before they completely finished his mind alteration then all of a sudden it made sense is it ridiculous in the fact that it's an afterthought yes look i i mean that's not great storytelling i i will admit that right here but again i'm having way too much fun with this series so far to where i'm like whatever i'm willing to let it go but yeah uh, i mean it's interesting though because of the fact that at least up to this point because i've watched a couple of ultraman series we've watched iron king i've seen red baron um i've seen part of the original super sentai uh, I think as far as like general tokusatsu, at least off the top of my head, I think that's all I've seen thus far. 
I'm sure there could be another series or two in there that I just can't think of right now. Um, this is very interesting because you have a hero who is made by the villains, who was supposed to be a villain and isn't because really Dr. Mirokata is the one who saved him because if he didn't try to really escape there, yeah, he probably would have ended up being a member of the shocker organization and what have you. So uh, I do find that aspect interesting. I know some folks may be like, okay, well, instead of being a complete good guy by being contacted, let's say M78 and being turned to this good guy, it's just an alteration. He was mm. a bad guy that became good, so to speak. And it's just like, no, but it's something different because I think those are more interesting because um, when you have a good organization come in to recruit someone to be a good guy, that's very cut and dry and it tends to be pretty dull. Whereas if you have someone who was intended or was a villain ending up becoming a hero, there's more interest there because there's more conflict. And that's why I think so many of us are attached to villains in these superhero type stories, whether it's comics, movies, shows, etc. Because the villains are more complex, more conflicted than the good guys. The good guys – even in modern times, even though, uh, let's say, movies like The Batman, I do think, tend to do a better job of trying to create more complex heroes, which is really how life works. Each and every single one of us is a complex individual with unique histories and experience that make us who we are. Uh, it's usually when it's written in fiction and what better example than the golden age of comics in the 1950s when you had the comic book code in place here in the United States in which comic books really had no violence and that sort of thing going on. Um, usually heroes and villains were kind of cut and dry, but even then villains were still a bit more interesting than the heroes because, you know, as someone who is obviously going to side with the heroes, you're kind of wondering, okay, Two-Face, why are you pulling this thing off? Like that, doesn't make sense like i kind of get why but at the same time i don't and here when you have a hero coming out of an evil organization even though he wasn't bad to begin with but was going to be it makes it interesting and yeah it's not as interesting as say oh i don't know i can't think of something off the top of my head where you had someone who was a villain and then became a hero. I'm sure if given more time, I could think of something. Um, but, um, you know, you I get know, my point. I know for one example, you know, if, if you're into anime, you know, for example, Dragon Ball, you had Vegeta as one of them. And then he turned, he was at first a, a villain, but then later on he turns into a hero, so to speak. So, yeah. But, uh, yeah, for me, the... The in, the origin of Common Rider, how he came to be, it's pretty interesting in a way. And then, like you, as far as far how things uh, transpired, I think um, one of the things I had on the top of my head, um, yeah, as far as you know, once they're kind of modified as a cyborg under Shocker, that they're basically under their you know control mind control and uh, one of the the shocker crew or the scientists there 
that he mentioned that he was unconscious for a week and that they were modifying his body to become a cyborg during that time is that you have plenty of time to make his brain, you know, be under their control. I'm not sure why that they didn't do that process <laughs> when he uh, became conscious. It's what I call the Goldfinger effect in which you become so egotistical and so arrogant in your abilities that you just go ahead take your sweet time and you spill the beans to the hero and as a result the hero's like aha like i know what what i need to do now so yeah i mean i thought of that too i didn't bring it up because i thought it would be obvious but yeah i mean they were dopes i mean let's just face it they were dopes they had a whole week what i would have done initially if i were shocker i would brainwash him first and then do the actual procedure but then again, you know, I don't know if anyone's disturbed that maybe I'm some sort of master criminal or whatever. But um, <laughs> like, like, I to me, it's obvious as far as the avenue to take. You brainwash the people first rather than like, okay, let's cut off this arm, this leg. Let's take out your guts here, put in the computer. The brainwash, yeah, yeah, that can wait, you know. But <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, overall, as far as the first episode of uh, Coming Rider, I think it's pretty good. There are some uh, instances where some little bit inconsistencies with uh, the story, everything. But other than that, it's a good setup for what's going to become an entire uh, franchise or uh a universe, so to speak. So with uh, episode one, the eerie Spider-Man or the mysterious Spider-Man, uh, for me, I would give this a uh, 8 out of 10. What would what letter grade would that be for you? Um, I probably, are we going to do plus minus that sort yeah, of thing? Yeah, we're doing too. plus minus. That's how I'm doing it. I probably would give it an A minus. All right. So, all right, here are my final thoughts. And again, I'm reading. The first episode of Common Rider, like most first episodes, helps to set the stage for our hero's story and his or her remaining conflict. I find it interesting that an evil organization is responsible for Takeshi Hongo's being the cyborg Common Rider. What still has me baffled, though, is we're told by one of the doctors who operated on him that once a person has been turned, they are under the spell of the Shocker organization. Yet Hongo doesn't appear to be under that control. Jason and I already talked about this, and I write these reviews as I watch the episode. So bear with me on some of these comments here. Um, was there supposed to be some transmitter planted into Hongo, and, and since he escaped, it was never placed inside of him? We're never given an answer in the episode, and I'm hoping that eventually we will be given one. We were. Okay, once again, please bear with me. I'm also confused as to how the Spider-Man died in the episode. Episode. It comes off as him just having taken one too many blows and disintegrating. I know that I'm. I know what I'm about to say next is probably overthinking on my part. But Hongo ends up becoming skilled in the martial arts after becoming common writer. Was Hongo always a skilled, or did he become, or did his becoming a cyborg assist him in this feat? Again, no answers given, and I understand that I'm very likely overthinking this. But I believe in order to try and be as objective to the listeners as much as possible asking and, crit and critiquing such things is impertinent in order to have an 
honest conversation to some extent about the material we cover on this podcast. Um, see, I move it now. I lose my spot, and I didn't move it that much. <laughs> um, okay. With that said, as a whole, common writer is incredibly fun. It is so far able to do what Ultra Seven by and large refuse to do, except its absurdity and to simply have fun with the material. To not try make something a serious melodrama when everything surrounding your story is outlandish. This is what I was hoping to get from common writer, and thus far it is what I am getting. Oh crap, why did I do that? Uh, <laughs> I didn't write that. Uh, even if there are a bunch of questions left unanswered as we progress and eventually end the series, if it's able to maintain this level of fun, I am more than willing to let those unanswered questions go by the wayside. Right now, I am having fun and I'm fairly impressed with Common Rider. I too, given a name, I Well, the one thing is that your audio is starting to break up. <laughs> Well, and that's the thing, like, your audio has been very faint, too, so. Well, that's not much I can really do about, because my stupid uh, audio scrubber just keeps readjusting itself, so I'm going to have to do something afterwards. But, uh, yeah, as soon as as you're starting to (laughs) do that review, it's starting to break up. But uh, at least we know that you gave it an A-, minus. so. Well... (laughs) This pisses me off because we keep doing tests and things work out in the tests. And then we actually get to the production and everything decides to crap the bed. And like my internet signal is a bit better than it was before we started. Um, Do we have a moment to where maybe I can experiment with something? Um, I'm not entirely sure i can at least uh just kind of turn you off from the screen you know what let's just keep going let's just keep going because we're already on let's keep going and then when we're off air let's try something here because i got an idea of something that might work but i'm not sure all right by the way i I need a restroom break anyways i've been drinking a lot of water here so (laughs) if you want to ring us in about (laughs) so uh the next one all right. Well, I'm just going to kind of wait to do the next one until you come back here. So uh, with Kent uh, taking a little bit of a bathroom break, I just thought I would reiterate to all of you that um, if you want to find us on uh, online, uh, you can find us everywhere in one place at our own uh, link tree uh, page. You can see the URL right there and as well as you can find us on uh, video platforms as far as YouTube, Twitch, and Rumble, as well and uh, as well as the uh, audio platforms listed right on your screen there, as far as Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, as well as uh, TuneIn. And uh, if you haven't uh, subscribed to us yet, or hit the uh, the like button as well as the uh, notification bell icons uh, make sure to do that uh, so you can uh, make sure to know whenever we uh, go live uh, and everything both on uh, YouTube as well as over on uh, Twitch and uh, as far as any archived video and as well as audio versions of our podcast you can find us 
over at our own uh, website at kaijunetwork.com. So I'm just going to kind of leave this uh, overlay up a bit. And uh, Kent is just finally returning here. So bring this back up right now. <laughs> All right. So you want to ring us in on uh, the next episode? Yeah. So uh, the name of the next episode here is uh, The Terrifying Batman. <laughs> So basically, all it is is that uh, uh, the the show starts out with two women kind of walking home from a night out, and then uh, one of the women uh, leaves, and then uh, the other wo woman is getting back to her apartment, and then hearing strange noises and everything, she runs into her apartment, and then gets caught by. Uh, Batman and then gets uh, bitten by uh, Batman and then uh, which injects this sort of uh, virus into her which causes like uh, some sort of uh, like uh, control. You turn into a bat person more or less. Over their bodies and everything so um, that's basically sort of the gist of uh, Batman and then Hongo goes to investigate and then beats all, you know, the henchmen and then Batman. And then basically uh, Batman's both like, uh, you know, holds like this virus as well as the antidote in his body where the antidote where he just scratches like uh, the person's uh, like, skin or something like that and then uh, brings them back to normal so yeah so one of the things I want to say right off the bat no pun intended um, is uh, at the at the beginning of the episode after Hongo does a motorcycle uh, trial run the initial guy that we see at the top of the episode um, who gets turned by Batman. Again, not Michael Keaton, not Adam West, not Val Kilmer, George Clooney, Christian Bale, or anything like that. Um, she goes after Hongo, and there's this kind of funny, like, 45-second deal where she's like, <laughs> like, going after him. I thought that was incredibly amusing. I thought, arguably one, if not the best moment of the entire episode. And then and then the uh, the bat teeth, you know, they're kind of like yes. these, uh, kind of the fang. Like tusks almost. Yeah, but they're instead of just, you know, coming out the normal way, they're just jigging out like forward and everything. You want a question here. You want to know how cheap your TV show is? Very cheap. You look at your bat fangs, and if they're <laughs> sticking out on the side rather than up and down, you got yourself a, a cheap TV show. Cheap, cheap. <laughs> wow. I mean, look, here's the thing. Like, like I said when we were discussing the first episode here, we're getting ourselves into territory in which like special effects and all that aren't quite as good as Ultra 7. Um at the same time, uh, during the 1970s, when movie theaters and all that were having trouble staying open, and as a result, movie studios were cutting budgets, especially on 
special effects films itself, not to mention the Japanese porn industry really became more prominent during this time because they were cheap and quick bucks. I wonder why. Um, <laughs> the TV uh, uh, industry was kind of going through something a little similar to this as well. So, um, yeah, cheap stuff. But you know what? Definitely In some cheap. cases, like Common Rider, it's fun, especially if the series and the writers and all that involved embrace what it is that they have in front of them. But, um, yeah, I mean, <laughs> let's just get into something else that I thought, and I'm not kidding when I say this, towards the end of the episode, there was this moment where as I was sitting down watching, I was like, oh, shit. And that was when all of a sudden there's this blood spattering. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and it ends up happening several more times. I'm like, holy shit, they actually put that in the kids' show. There is like five or so moments where the, there are these big blood spatters where Kamen Rider is fighting Batman henchmen and they're, he's throwing them off and they're spattering. And then even at the end, Batman himself gets splattered. Um, not only that, they'll show the uh, the physical um kind of the the fake blood and then uh, once uh batman gets knocked off the building it's just more or less kind of that matte screen animated yeah sort of blood, which but still know, you get the point it's a bit inconsistent in that part yeah i mean you get the point though i mean that right, you know yeah. that's what they're trying to get across um but yeah like Look, uh, I'm just going to go into my final thoughts on this because I think it's going to be a little bit more telling as to uh, what I think about this. Something that I'm enjoying about Common Rider is there's an element of horror to every episode. Lighting choices and shadows play an intricate part in enveloping terror and mystery into the story. With episode two, we do get the explanation that Hongo's mind was altered dur- wasn't altered excuse me, during the, his initial transformation. Hence he isn't under the control of Shocker like many of the others, as the episodes put it, demons. However, I'm hoping that every episode doesn't give us who Shocker is each and every time. That explanation was given in the previous episode, and if someone coming in is confused as to who they are, they should go back and watch that first episode. I'm enjoying the fact that all of Shocker's demons thus far are modeled after creatures that most people find creepy in the real world. Spiders, bats, and for the next episode, scorpions. I find it using that the villain in the episode is called Batman. I like, too, that we see there is some unseen leader shocker directing the organization from an unknown location. The immense spattering of blood at the end of the episode is wackadoo, crazy, yet pun intended batshit fun. The use of the apartment complex to create an army of bad people was clever and fun, but a mild complaint of mine is that it would have been nice to see a different location or two for the Batman to create more minions. Nevertheless, another fun episode. I gave it an A. Yeah, as far as uh, this episode, I really like it. It kind of gives a little bit more of that nostalgic uh, feeling of your typical uh, Showa, Tokusatsu uh, TV show or movie uh, during this uh, time period. And I really like 
the cheesy costume of uh, Batman. Yeah, in a way, as well as the and and the ridiculous uh, quote unquote fanes that's on both uh, Batman and then as well as uh, some of the people that were infected by this uh, virus from Batman. And and we also kind of get that uh, uh, full circle closing, or I would say that um, as a Ruiko finally knows the truth behind her father's death, and then you know revealed by Batman that Shocker uh, killed her father from episode from the first episode in that regard. So now she can't comes to terms with Hongo and everything. So all that's uh, finalized. And uh, yeah, I just, it's sort of a good, kind of a good episode. I would also give this one uh, an A minus two. All right. So the third and final episode we're covering during this uh, podcast episode is called Monster Scorpion Man. So I kept thinking, uh, get over here. I don't know why. Um, the monster so. scorpion man. <laughs> <laughs> but I would say uh, out of the three costumes thus far, this might be my favorite. Um, there's sort of something to the mandible claws in this weird. That's I don't know sort of what, what I like is that kind of that uh, the mouth part of a scorpion. Man. Yeah. If I uh, let me. Let me bring up a picture of a Scorpion Man. If, if By the any. way, one thing I want to bring up here is the fact that throughout the entire episode, they keep talking about man-eating scorpions. Let's oh, get yeah. one thing straight. If you call something a man-eater, then it actually needs to eat people. Okay? Scorpions in this episode don't eat people. They are modified to spray a red-like substance that ends up dissolving people. They don't eat anybody in this episode. So for people who are looking to write scripts, novellas, novels, whatever, if you're going to call something a man-eater, then it better eat people. You just don't call it a man-eater simply because it kills people. It's got to eat people if you call it a (laughs) man-eater. I see there's Scorpion Man right there. <laughs> yeah, do you have something that's more of a close-up of its head? Yeah. Uh, I would. I don't think this is what about the that one? exact Oh, uh, yeah, that's not the exact one. But, yeah, Uh-oh. I can't be reached anyways. <laughs> but, I mean, you can kind of get the idea of the math, how it is compared to, like, this one here. So, yeah, it is very interesting because um, the scorpion man comes off, uh, which, by the way, is um, turned from uh, one of Hongo's closest friend, Ayase. Well, you Um, don't even know that yet until the middle or. Yeah. And what I think is really good, and we saw this with the last episode, is that some of these demons of shocker can turn into human form for a while as well. Uh, um, I don't know if Batman's was well, one where he changes into a bat at night and then is a human by day, if that was just part of his, um, I don't, I don't think so. Cause I think, uh, as far as Batman goes, he's like some kind of uh, hypnosis, uh, state or something The like, 
being charged up or something out of the case. But this was the first episode that we know that these demons that the Shocker made, at least this one turns can turn to a human and then back. Yeah, and this is the episode where they talk about using graphing technology from Nazis. It's just like, oh shit, like we're getting serious here. We're actually talking about real people who were assholes. Um, <laughs> so, like, um, yeah, one of the things too I like about Scorpion Man here is that it's not a pure humanoid necessarily. It, I mean, it's still relatively close. But what I like is that, for example, he has one hand that is an actual hand, and then his other hand is like a scorpion claw of sorts. Um, I do like that. I know it's a minor touch, but certain things like that, I think, not only make some of these characters memorable, it, it just makes them more unique. Instead of each, each of them having, let's say, their head modified and maybe parts of their body, and then the rest, like, they always have five-fingered hands. You know, mm-hmm. when you start changing things up, like, I don't know, you have some sort of crab man where maybe one of his legs is like a crab leg or something. I don't know. I'm just <laughs> I'm just making stuff up off the top of my head to try to make a point here. But, like, you know, when you start doing things like that, it makes things unique and interesting. And I like that. And the Scorpion Man, not only does he look badass, he acts badass because he's like, Look, I will kill – in fact, uh, kind of like Mori uh, Kawa in the first episode, we get a doctor here – not a doctor, uh, a well, civilian it's, who – Well, it's a prisoner who who was actually released along with other prisoners at the beginning yes. of this episode, and the leader gives them at least 10 more minutes to run through this desert to uh, seek shelter, and they wouldn't be harmed at that time, but – and that. Did I say ten for ten minutes? Yeah, it's I think ten I minutes. Yeah, yeah. And then once ten minutes came around, he unleashes these man-eating scorpions. That annoys the hell out of me. <laughs> they didn't really. They really aren't man-eating. Simply because all they do is just spray this uh, sort of red liquid from their tail and just sort of like uh, Spider-Man from the very first episode, where the, it just melts the entire body and just liquefies them yeah but yeah i mean you know they're not afraid in these shows to go about killing civilians i mean we saw it in the first episode and we're seeing it here again i really thought this individual was going to survive and then that's why i I thought too yeah there was a scorpion at one point i'm like oh snap he ain't gonna make it and and he didn't make it and then the other thing, too, is that when a Scorpion Man uh, gets close to the hideout of Hongo and the uh, the old man there, and then I think in one of the, I think a scene or two later, you see uh, Hayase, which is Hongo's uh, friend, along with uh, Ruriko. I had... I think sort of an odd suspicion that uh, Hayase was going to be Scorpion Man, which ended up turning to be him being Scorpion Man, which it's it was sort of given at that uh, moment when Hayase uh, comes into play. Yeah, I didn't realize that. Like, typically when I watch movies and shows, sometimes I can catch certain things, and usually if I do that, I either just am in a 
higher state of alertness or sometimes certain movies or shows get so clumsy that they telegraph very easily what it is that they're going to do. Uh, I didn't even see that coming and I should have. So you should have, you know what? I don't care because I'm having fun with this series. So yeah. Um, but yeah, do we want to get into final thoughts and, and ratings here on uh, episode three? Yeah. Um, as far as uh, final thoughts for me, this one, I'd say out of the three episodes that we've uh, gone through for today, I think uh, number three is probably the best one uh, so far. I really liked how it was. Uh, so what do you want? I just want to give a quick mention here. You talk about being the best so far. I just want to say – I I might I think I do agree with you on that because we're starting to see certain uh, effects and stuff being implemented that we haven't seen in the first episode, like Common Rider zooming along. I don't know if this is going to continue throughout the series, but it could be the start of something. So yeah, it's it's like the show already is starting to catch its footing as far mm-hmm. as what it wants to do. Yeah, and speaking of the show uh, catching its footing, I liked how they. I think at the beginning where uh, uh, Tachibana and Hongo finally studying uh, Hongo's uh, strength when he's turning, when he turns into common rider and trying to uh, study the movements and kind of the, the source of his power in a way. I liked how they did that in a way in this uh, third episode and as well as obviously with us talking about Scorpion man, I really like the, uh, the costume that they did for uh, Scorpion man and, and having his, having it be uh, Hongo's friend in a way, uh, which kind of makes things a little bit more interesting. And just, I think the third episode finally i'd say uh lays sort of a more uh uh foundation compared to the first episode where it kind of uh where we kind of get to know the background of common writer in a way I think too. You're. I think maybe what you're trying to say too is we're we're getting more of kind of the establishment of certain idiosyncrasies with not just the character but the series itself. Yeah. Uh, like for example, let's say like you're talking the original Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. You're talking about the sequence of all the Zords coming together to create the Megazord or something like that. You're getting stuff like that to help illustrate progressions and stories and to illustrate other facets of, of the plot and story itself. Mm-hmm. So uh, right. my final thoughts on monster well, scorpion before, before you do that, I want to give my rating, which I haven't oh. done that quite yet. Uh, as far as the rating for the monster, monstrous scorpion, man, I'll give this one an A. You and I are like three for three. And I don't think that's happened even back during ultra seven, ultra seven. I think we came close on several occasions, but not exactly like this. So here are my, my final thoughts on uh, episode three. One, one thing I failed to mention at this point are the wacky camera angles and the unique face paint designs on the Shocker Demon's henchman each episode. That's something we did not discuss, but yeah, each uh, episode where we get a different general, the face paint of the henchman is always a different color and design. I like that touch. Um, the camera angles will sometimes become really 
really contorted and weird, but add a sense of fun and craziness to a show that knows exactly what it is. The face paint designs and coloring of the henchmen in each episode displays the uniqueness and creativity of the personnel involved with the series. They clearly show how they want to make each villain its own and did not have some generic design throughout. While generic design isn't necessarily bad, to have a different design that at its core is similar, but at the same time different, each episode adds a level of artistry to a show that is artful in its own way, even if at the same time it's, it's absurd. Scorpion Man design just may be one of my favorite villain designs so far. It's menacing and different in a way that he has one hand that is a normal one and another that is a scorpion's claw. His scorpion minions shoot some red acidic liquid that dissolves their victims. Only real complaint I have is everyone keeps calling the scorpions man eaters when they don't actually eat a single person. It's annoying at best. Otherwise, a fun episode in a series that's really winning me over fast. And I also gave it an A rating. So with that, I just want to say something uh, before we start closing out here. Uh, I severely apologize to everyone as far as audio uh, quality here of this episode. Uh, Jason and I have been sending private messages back and forth over the course of this recording. Um, we are both very pissed off at what is going on here. We don't know exactly what's happening. Um, because well, it seems like, ever- seems like on your, it seems like on your, and when it, when it, your audio starts to break up, it's whenever you do your final thoughts is when it starts breaking up. Well, and see, you were just talking and I could barely make out everything you just said there. So something's going on. But my point is that when we test this stuff out, we always do a test before we start each and every episode. Everything checks out fine. And if and we've had to do this a few times in the past where if something doesn't check out, usually one of us restarts or reconnects or both restart, whatever. Like we do whatever is necessary to try to fix it. And for whatever reason, this episode, and I think even the last episode, when we're actually live, shit hits the fan. And I don't know why. We're both annoyed at it. Um, We sincerely apologize for this. I don't know if it's the software that's causing issues. I don't know. But when we get off here in just a moment, we definitely are looking to see if we can figure out um, some solutions to try to fix this problem. So uh, I apologize uh, for audio issues and all that. And hopefully we can get something figured out here. But um, two weeks from now, we will be covering the first three episodes of Spectre Man. Hopefully all of that will be better than what we had here in terms of audio quality. And um, yeah, I hope so. So we will be changing things out every couple of weeks. So two weeks from now, it's the first three episodes of Spectre Man. Two weeks after that, it's the next three episodes of Common Rider. And like I said, we're going to keep doing that for a while. We'll have a break here and there. Um, so, yeah. So, again, sincerely apologize for audio quality. Hopefully we can fix it. Thank you so much, though, for listening and or watching, and we will see you here in a couple of weeks. Yeah, and uh, just to reiterate uh, one more time, uh, you can find Daikaiju Network everywhere in one place at our uh, own Linktree page with the URL 
right there and you can follow us on these uh, uh, both video and audio platforms as well and uh, if you haven't subscribed to us yet make sure to hit that uh, subscribe button down below if you're watching us on uh, YouTube make sure to hit that like button as well as uh, push that notification bell icon to uh, get uh, the latest or uh, whenever when we uh, go live or anything and if you want to find us at our own uh, website with uh, the archived video, audio, and as well as uh, blogs, uh, etc. You can find us at our own website at uh, daikaijunetwork.com. Uh, so if you don't have anything else, we'll just uh, sign off uh, right now. I got one more thing, and that is technology sucks. <laughs> well, I know with my audio, it's basically this uh, real tech audio that keeps... Uh, with this uh, volume scrubber, it keeps readjusting itself every time. But I think I found uh, some kind of uh, uh, fix uh, tutorial on uh, YouTube here, which I'm probably going to have to check well, that out. Like I said, when we get off here in a moment, we got to figure this shit out because I'm pissed. I demand <laughs> nothing but the best. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know uh, one of these times I want to get me a different uh, microphone and stuff because I, I think this one that I have right here is probably sort of the cause to it because, you know, with the audio coming out from uh, the headset and then the speaker yeah, it's up uh, here. right here. So, yeah, that, yeah, that's for Kent. <laughs> so, <laughs> but with that, uh, thanks uh, for watching. Uh, Daikaiju Network Show, and we'll see you guys in a couple weeks.